This is a Soul Fire production. Yo, everybody, we're back for Connor Wanders episode number three. And on this episode, I'm going to be uh, breaking down the state of things and sharing with you my top three suggested series for the current pandemic. Hopefully the last pandemic for a while. That'd be great. It'd be nice if we don't have to deal with this again for a minute. Um, and as I did with the uh, my top three book recommendations... They're kind of these, these TV series, these series, they're not really TV anymore because it's all streaming services these days, but these series um, are kind of suited to what's going on. And I made sure that the, the shows were, um, had enough seasons to where you could really get into it. Cause there's a couple shows out there that I'm into now, the feeling I'm out that um, don't really have uh, enough content, enough juicy content to keep you engaged for more than, um, for more than one season, like the show Yellowstone, for example, amazing show succession, very similar shows. Awesome. Great storytelling so far. Uh, can't vouch for their ending, but, um, there's only one or two seasons of each one of those. So not really enough there to get you through the pandemic. So I, I kept shows that, um, were either currently running or, or, uh, have enough seasons to get you, uh, to get you through this thing. And shows that would either intellectually stimulate you or you find comical or, or just get in your mind a little bit. But as uh, as usual, as per usual on episode three, I'm loving this so far. It's a little it's a little clunky, but we're getting there. If you're digging this show, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, leave it a five star review, and if you are down to share it on your social media or with a friend, uh, maybe just you know shoot a text over say, hey, check out this fucking pod. Or uh, just drop a little screenshot on your on your uh, on your Instagram story. Let me know you're listening. I like to hear from you. You know I do. You know I fuck. You know I love you. No matter what I say about you when you're not around, or you know how I treat you, um, I love you. So yeah. Now, with that, let's get into the state of things. So to stay, keep myself entertained through this situation, I try to find, you know, I, I, I try to ingest, take in, consume as much news that is accurate, uh, pertinent, actionable as possible. But every now and then, I like to slip down the conspiracy theorist rabbit hole, as you know. So uh, my go-to place for that, as most people who like to to um, consider and ponder and maybe take a, a nice little chuckle at, um, I go to uh, Alex Jones at InfoWars and uh, even his new site, Band.Video. So you can, they, they created Band.Video so that you could share it more easily because it's not InfoWars. Because um, InfoWars has been banned from a lot of things, hence the name Band.Video. But they put out this video the other day and I've been... <laughs> I've been considering sharing it and just giving you the audio. Uh, the video itself is really great, but the audio is is the best part. Um, 
It's eight minutes long. So if, <laughs> if it starts freaking you out, you just fast forward a little bit. We'll get to the top three, the top three series for you. But um, it, it's interesting. It's crazy. It kind of highlights the, the things that people love about Alex Jones because it's so fucking wild. Now, I've been jumping on InfoWars probably once a day just to see what he's going on. Um, apparently, he thinks that zinc is, uh, is a cure to this and, and an antiviral. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Who knows? But he's definitely pushing that. And he has a lot of zinc-related products that he sells. So watch out, globalist. Because Alex Jones is coming. But uh, this video is titled Prison Planet Earth and the Fallen Angels. Again, it's eight minutes, 19 seconds long. It's pretty intense. Um, So let's just jump into it. Prison Planet Earth and the Fallen Angels from InfoWars. The oldest written history in existence, the Tablets of Sumer claim that a reptilian race of aliens known as the Anunnaki fell from the heaven to earth and enslaved the human race. Juicy. The ancient Sumerians wrote that after a slave rebellion, the Anunnaki went into hiding and ruled over humanity using human proxies and Judas goats. The Great Pyramid of Giza was constructed under the direction of Imhotep, who was said to be the son of Egypt's most important god during his day. During this age, the pharaohs worshipped and served over 2,000 human-like gods. In return for managing over the human slave population, the pharaohs were promised eternal life. They were taught that if they had their dead bodies carefully preserved, they would be brought back to life and live forever as gods. Makes sense. This is quite similar to today's world elites who believe they will find immortality by merging with artificial intelligence. Is it though? Were they promised the same lie of immortality by the fallen ones? Unlikely. According to the Bible, the Hebrews descended from a clan ruled by a god named Jehovah. Jehovah traveled through the sky in what appears to have been a loud smoking aircraft. Exodus 19 describes Jehovah landing on a mountaintop. Okay. Mount Sinai was altogether covered with smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke from the fire billowed upwards like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. The Bible describes how Moses and a few select leaders were the only ones permitted to approach Jehovah's mountaintop landing site. And Jehovah had threatened to kill anyone else who tried. The Aryan leaders of ancient India... I don't understand. It lost me. Is that a good thing or a bad... I I don't know. Alex Jones seems very pro... Bible and Jesus and God, I just don't know where. I don't know what they're getting at with that. Maybe you can shoot me a DM and and clarify if you understand. Claimed obedience to gods who fell from the sky. These human-like gods were called Asura. The Nazi inner circle of the Third Reich claimed to have been following orders from these very same Aryan gods. These Aryan gods taught the Hindus that there was a natural cycle of life that included a dramatic death of humanity, followed by a rebirth. The legend of the Phoenix teaches that a natural law exists wherein mankind must die by fire to emerge out of the ashes, growing again, 
dying again, and so on forever. So I think what they're talking about there is a death and rebirth in the form of um, achievement of nirvana and um, reincarnation, I think is what they're speaking of, in very uh, nefarious and cryptic terms. But I think that's what they're getting at here. Let's continue. During the plague of Europe, many people reported seeing bright lights in the sky, proceeded by a foul-smelling mist that creeped into town, followed by the Black Death. At least 50 comets were reported in the sky during the Black Death. Also, the appearance of human-like figures dressed in black, wielding long scythes, were reported on the outskirts of town. This is where the image of death was born. After the strange beings were seen, an outbreak of the plague would manifest. Could the long scythes have been long devices designed to spray poison gas into the towns? About a hundred years after the Black Death came the cholera pandemic. A hundred years after that, the Spanish flu originated from Fort Riley, an army installation in Kansas. And now we have the Wuhan virus, which seems to have originated from a Wuhan biolab. The Bible teaches us that Lucifer and the fallen angels rule over the earth. And when you look at the historical record, it almost seems as if they are farming us and thinning the herd every hundred years. For the past decade, Hollywood has produced an endless stream of doomsday end time movies. The History Channel alone has deeply embedded the concept of UFOs and aliens into our perceived reality. Are they preparing us for the end? For another great culling of the human race? The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he does not exist. Instead, we are taught that the human race is a virus. Like the phoenix, mankind must die by fire to emerge out of the ashes and so on forever until we somehow awaken to defeat the fallen ones and escape this prison planet. For InfoWars.com, this is Greg Reese. All right, just to set this up because you can't see it, this is uh, Alex Jones, kind of in the in the um, after video portion, <laughs> dressed up like um, one of the characters from. This is all CGI, of course. Uh, dressed up like one of the, the the people from Halo. Have you ever played the game Halo? So full on future battle suit type jam, and let's hear what he has to say. What do I do, Lord? Destroy the child. He's speaking to a flaming skull. Corrupt them all. This is their plan, people. These are demons. It's basically an intergalactic invasion into this space through people. I, I'm telling you, it's what all the ancients said. It's what they warned of. It's what we're dealing with. They're demons. They're freaking interdimensional invaders, okay? I'll just say it. Make fun of me all you want on CNN or wherever, but everyone already innately knows this. These people are not freaking humans, okay? You'll never, never defeat the human spirit. You'll never defeat God. You'll never win. 
<laughs> we could turn this down, sorry. There's a reason the globalists are... All right, I'll cut it off right there. <laughs> I'll cut it off right there. Oh, fantastic. Alex Jones, uh, and, and I'm kind of sorry for cutting you off and giving you a little context there in, in the middle of it if you were really into it, but uh, super interesting stuff. A great culling of the human race via the Wuhan virus. Um, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing I, I consistently think about whenever I dive down the Alex Jones rabbit hole, similar to when I dove down the flat earth rabbit hole, um, just for fun. I just like to consider what if he's right? What if he's right? I don't think that he is. I think it, it, it's, it's, he's cherry picking history um, and history from religious texts, which is notoriously inaccurate and aggrandized. But what if? What if? It's a crazy time out there. Now, um, we're getting pretty close. In other news, in other news. Meanwhile, in the real world, um, we're getting pretty close to passing this uh, stimulus package. And I don't know about you, but I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty stimulated. Uh. So, <laughs> I love these little buttons. Um, pretty interesting stuff. And, and what we're looking at here is potentially a one-time payment, potentially up to four months of monthly checks to people that have made under $75,000 in the previous years based on previous year's tax returns um, to help get through this. And you know, it seems like there is a tug of war between getting money in the hands of the people and getting money into the hands of corporations. And if we look back at 2008, it was very heavy handed in the hands of, um, or, or put in the hands of corporations with very little restrictions. And I think that we've, it seems to me, there's enough pressure and, and I'm not going to say there's a lot of transparency when it comes to these kind of decisions, but enough transparency that we're able to see that people are fighting for um, understanding where this money goes, where the money goes. And I, and I know that it's super important to a lot of people that when these corporations get these billions of dollars in bailouts, uh, which are important. And by the way, I want to put this out there. Here's a line for you. Bailouts are not capitalists, capitalist movements. It's not a capitalist action. Capitalism and bailouts do not coexist. Bailouts are more in alignment with socialism. Okay? And then, then you have, uh, you know, I'm going to go down that rabbit hole in a second. But just put that, just to put that in your mind, that, because we tout and we praise social, uh, capitalism as if it's some kind of deity at this point. Bailouts aren't capitalists. That's how it is. But I think what we're looking at here is people really taking an interest in understanding and having transparency on where the money given to the corporations goes and incentivizing them to maintain their employment, which I think is incredibly important, incredibly important. So, you know, a little, with all the Alex Jones darkness, there's a little light there to say, maybe we'll see something out of this. And of course, getting money in the hands of the people that really fucking need it is, in, is, is vital. So it's nice to see that, see that happening. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting to see how different news outlets portray this. Um, you know, 
I, I'm pretty certain that I'm going to make a segment on here where I just um, make fun of Fox News. <laughs> so if we could, uh, if you guys are into that, uh, just let me know and we'll play some clips and, and dive into some of the nonsense that those people over there are spouting. But really, I'm curious to see how this all goes. I'm curious to see once you once the government proves that they can send out checks to people, to individuals, to real people in the world, it, it kind of breaks the mold for what we've believed was possible. So it's interesting. And, and to see Trump and the Trump administration move that far left and lean that far socialist to the point where even some Republican representatives were talking about the government owning shares of the companies that they bail out. That's straight up fucking socialism. I mean, everything besides the populace owning the means of production. That's a socialist fucking move. So interesting, interesting, interesting stuff here. Now, who sees where, who knows where it'll go, but these, these ideas being thrown out prove that there has been a rearranging due to a crisis of perceived values. And I think that in your personal life and in the lives of a massive community of 330 plus million people, crisis is when you reassess your values. And maybe at the end of all of this, we'll have a little bit more, a little bit, a little bit different, I say more, a little different perspective on what people really need and how people really deserve to be treated. It's interesting. It's interesting to see this happen. It's, it's been, it's been a fascinating, almost social experiment on top of a, of a tragedy. We'll see how it goes. I mean, shit. This is weird. And of course, I'm going a little stir-crazy, as I'm sure you are. That's why I'm putting out so much podcast content. Got to. We've got to. But now, that's the state of things. Let's move on. Let's talk about what you can do with your time when you're Netflixing and chilling or HBO, HBO and chilling at the house. Let's talk about TV shows. All right, all right, all right. Coming in at number three in my suggested series to take on during quarantine, we've got Archer. Archer from FX and is on on Hulu. So we're gonna be we're gonna cover a few different streaming services. So if you don't have them all, maybe this will incentivize you to snag one because now's the time. So. It is on FX and Hulu. Now, this is kind of an over-the-top. If you don't know about Archer, if you've never heard of it, and maybe you have, and maybe you're into it, but um, if you have not, it's kind of this over-the-top James Bond satirical animated series. Series? Series. Um, And I just fucking love cartoons, first of all. I wanted to be a cartoonist when I was growing up. And now one one of my biggest dreams, anybody out there that can help me with this, one of my biggest dreams is to be the voice of a cartoon character. Let's do some voiceover work. Animation is dope. Anyways, Sterling Mallory Archer is a secret agent, womanizer, alcoholic, and a complete shit show who finds his way to kind of cumber in a, in a very cumbersome fashion 
to accomplish these missions with um, an astonishing amount of, of bullet wounds in the show. <laughs> a lot of people get shot and seem to be fine. And it's just, it's, it, it's this combination, and I love this, it's this combination of, of smart humor and just slapsticky bullshit. And one of these things that I love about this this show and what FX FX gets a lot of credit for this because with shows like it's always sunny in Philadelphia and just their whole kind of value structure of their network is going a little too far. Kind of like South Park does South Park gets a pass and FX gets a pass. I'm just going a little bit too far. Uh, and the fact that it's animated also helps too. When things are animated, people kind of suspend disbelief a little bit more and you can get a little bit more weird. So they do that in spades in this show and it's something I, I really loved for the first five or six seasons. There's actually ten seasons of the show now, and I just recently, thanks to quarantine, picked it up again. I was like, I just need something funny. I need something to laugh. I need something to bring a little bit of light to my life. Now, one thing I love about this show is that it's so ridiculous and so out there, and and the archetypes that it kind of follows are just so aggrandized and ridiculous that it's it's great when life's a little bit overwhelming or a little bit stressed. It's not it's not heavy. It's you don't every season has its own independent independent story arcs, so you don't really have to start at the beginning or anything like that. Uh, you can jump in there, and God, the characters are so funny. It also somehow they do this, and, and I said it about the Lion King, and I say it about Archer. Those cartoons are kind of fucking sexy. They're kind of sexy. This show might leave you moderately aroused, and in a really good mood. Wait, so right now, isn't that what we need? In the state of a pandemic, don't you just need to be in a good mood and a little horny? Isn't that what we really fucking need? Archer provides that for you. Get you some giggles. Get you some uh, sexual tension. And if you're by yourself, you can always work that out, baby. You know what's up. You know what to do. Get into it. Now, that's Archer. Ten seasons on FX and Hulu. Fantastic show. When life's a little heavy and you need, need to, just need, need a smile. Just put a smile on your face. That's actually kind of the same thing this show is for. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Drawing parallels. Number two. Number two on my list of three. Mad Men, of course. Just rewatched Mad Men for the first time since the season or since the series originally concluded. Um, I think that was in like 2016. Now, Mad Men is seven seasons. It's on AM, AMC and Netflix. So get your, get your Netflix on. Everybody has Netflix. You know, you're, you know you're stealing your ex's Netflix account still. And I, I endorse that. Get everything you can from that relationship. All the lessons, all the learning, and all the streaming service passwords that you can. It's an important part of healing. Anyways, moving on. Mad Men. Now, everybody's heard of Mad Men. And maybe you've watched a little bit of Mad Men. But do you really, have you been into Mad Men? Have you gotten in there? Have you really considered how incredible the writing is on this show? How well they develop the characters? How diverse their, their cast is in representing what was going on in the 60s and 70s when, this show was, uh, when, when, this, when the show was set, the decade the show was set? I don't know what that's called. The era that the show covers. Now, Mad Men follows the story most closely of Don Draper. And he is a, he's, a, he's, a, he's an ad, advertising man. 
He's a creative director at an advertising agency. And he got there, goes through the store, but he got there putting in that work and being a grind boy. Came, he, came, he came a long, long way. And his story houses a fair amount of secrets that get slowly uncovered throughout the show. And one thing I love about Don, of all the characters in this show, and one thing that's amazing about this show is that there, if, who, no matter who you are, where you are in life, you're going to be able to deeply resonate with a character on this show. And the writing is, is the, it's the best writing I've ever, in dialogue, I've ever experienced in a show before. Just absolutely next level. But for me, and I think a lot of men out there, maybe a little, maybe some of the ladies too, I resonate with Don deeply. And a lot of things, that, a lot of the issues that he has and, and the way his, his thought process works. Even in season two, they have him doing a little journaling, which I thought was kind of fun because that even, <sighs> empathize with that even more. And it's, it's, it's dark. He is a deeply sad and damaged man for good reason that you find out throughout the show. And they, and they don't just hit you with it. They don't just say, hey, empathize with this character. They make you want to hate him, but you can't. You're rooting for the guy. And you can feel how deeply saddened this man is throughout the show. His, one thing that, God, I can't even keep my thoughts straight on this. I just love this show so much. He, he doesn't have a typical character arc like you'd notice in a normal show, right? No hero's journey. It's just doing and portraying life. Of course, there's definitely issues that they have to come over every show. I mean, it is a, is it a TV show. It's not just mundane daily life, but it's so atypical and it's slow. You've got to give it time. It doesn't get you with a hook at the beginning. It doesn't take you through the same type of excitement that a show like maybe early seasons of Game of Thrones where they got you with a hook at the beginning and then they kind of played the slow story after that. They said, fuck that. We're going slow story from the jump. And because of that, you have to listen. you got to pay attention and you get so invested. Now, while Dawn is the main character and the focus of the series, the other characters represent these really intense archetypes from that time and while it's a little bit more abrasive in the way that, especially the way the women are handled in that situation and treated um, and how they represent themselves, it's, it's a little bit more intense than what it is now. You can see that you know, over the past 30, 40, 50 years, there's still some things that are culturally relevant in that show. So just to run down kind of the primary cast here, Peggy is someone you're going to root for in this entire show. She is the people's champ. She represents women making their way in corporate America, putting in the hustle, breaking molds. She is that person in this series. Now she deals with some honest truths and there's some hard things she has to deal with, but her trajectory and the way that she handles herself, it's, it's diverse, but it's really interesting. And then she is, she's the person on the show that you're constantly rooting for. And I love that. She, and she, she does, she plays that role so well. Now, Roger, Roger Sterling, he's an, he's an often overlooked character. I feel like he kind of represents the old way of doing things. He's a little older than Don Draper. He's kind of his, his mentor in a lot of ways. He's, uh, outstandingly comical 
very witty, but also deals with this deep existential crisis of why the fuck he even exists and what is life. And knowing that the only place, one of the lines he says, I don't remember what season it is, but one line he says is, how to, he's, or not, I'm not going to quote it, but he's, he's, he's curious about how to conduct himself when he knows the only thing he has to do left in his life is lose everything he's ever had. And that's intense. I think a lot of people go through that. Yes, a little bit of psychedelic experience, which is kind of cool. <laughs> it's kind of fun because that was going on in the late 60s, early 70s. Roger Sterling, overrated character. I think my favorite character on the show. Of course, everybody's rooting for Don and Don's doing his thing, but Roger Sterling, underrated sleeper character. Ama- he did, and, and, and the actor did an amazing job. So good. Now, Joan. Joan is the voluptuous bad bitch, and she's incredibly keen on understanding what makes people tick. That's her superpower. She understands what's going on. She sees beyond the veil. She doesn't buy into the bullshit. She, well, she does buy into some bullshit, the marriage bullshit, and she learned her lesson. She learned so much in this show. And again, you're rooting for her. She's not, she's not Peggy level cheerleading, but you're, Joan's got it. Joan's got a thing. And again, actress that portrayed her, incredible. I don't have all their names here. Not really that important. But her character is so rad. And as the series progresses, she gets more and more dynamic. Which I think is really, really cool to see her really come into her own. And I know I'm talking about these people like they're real people, but they kind of are in a way. Because the story's incredible. Now, Betty starts off the series as Dawn's wife. She is, she represents the old-timey housewife that time passes her up. And you see, you see that. You see that in her experience. You see that in the, in, in I have to say she has probably the saddest story of, the, of all because she just doesn't have a place in the world after a while. And I, and I, again, these characters make you empathize with things that you wouldn't normally. That's not something you've ever realized or been around or, or experienced at all. If you really pay attention and really read between the lines of this show, you can see what's really going on. And man, Betty's character, it's, it's hard to watch. And you want to fucking hate her sometimes. Oh, she's the worst. But damn, it's sad. It is sad. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything. There's no spoilers in here. I'm just going to give you guys the lay of the land. But this show has one of the most incredibly complete endings of all time. While giving you satisfaction in the ending, but also leaving some room for your imagination to whirl and you to consider what does that mean? Why? And that, to me, this intellectual stimulation is so fun in a show, and it's so rarely done well. If you think about the series that you watch, like you may be happy with an ending, but mm, this one just like has a different. You end it smiling, and and you get to almost make up your own ending and choose your own adventure at the end for these major characters. So fucking cool. I mean, there is no other show that I felt the level of empathy for characters that I have in this show. And that brings a level of connection that you just don't get. That you don't get in most shows. So let yourself slip into the world of Mad Men. I promise you, you will not regret it. That's number two. Now moving on to number one. My number one recommendation. 
for your quarantine watching pleasure. The show is currently in its third season. It's on HBO. And it is called Westworld. Now, if you haven't seen Westworld, and a lot of people haven't. A lot of people have been sleeping on this show. I'm going to play you the first season trailer. Now, of course, all you're going to get is the audio here. But the audio, audio does it justice. Enjoy. I came back. You know, if I could stay right here with you, I would. Just sometimes I feel like the world out there is calling me. You're one of them, aren't you? And I real. Bring yourself back online. <laughs> Do you know where you are? I'm in a dream. You're in my dream. I designed every part of this place. It's not a theme park but an entire world. You and everyone you know were built to gratify the desires of the people who paid to visit your world. Just don't forget, they're not real. What you and I do is so complicated. I need your help, Dolores. I think I made a mistake. So our creatures have been misbehaving. I think there may be something wrong with this world. No choice you ever made was your own. You have always been a prisoner. What if I told you? I'm here to set you free. Are we very old friends? No, I wouldn't say friends, Dolores. I wouldn't say that at all. Westworld. Whoo. Now, the reason I recommend Westworld, because it doesn't have enough seasons to really make the cut yet. They're currently in the third season, but comes on every Sunday. They're two episodes in as this podcast is released. If you really get to it, and I've got Kelly on this right now. She's falling in love with it. You can catch up by the season finale. It's an eight-episode season. you got six weeks. You can catch up if you really put your mind to it. Put your mind and your heart in the right place. You can catch up. And it is fucking worth it. Now, Westworld is really hard to summarize, but I'm going to give it a shot. It's essentially, in the beginning anyways, it's essentially a Wild West-themed part that uses human-like androids called hosts to create a reality in which guests can come and explore their deepest desires without consequence. Infidelity, rape, murder, whatever. Okay, and these hosts are so human-like that you really can't tell the difference. That's where we're at. And their behavior is, is such that they respond to everything in the moment as if it's really happening. They have short-term memories, but their memories get wiped after each day experience, and they run on something called a loop. 
So their day is repeated over and over again, um, and they can get pulled off their loops in these larger narratives that they play into. Really interesting stuff, but it brings into question so many things. Consciousness, free will, what does it mean to be alive? What is human nature? Where's humanity headed? Are we running on loops? At what point can we create something that is actually better suited to evolution than we are? And at a certain point, you're going to have to pick a side. And that is a trip. Now, first season goes into a lot of what I would consider what is consciousness? What is life? Second season is much more what it's free will. Third season that's going on now kind of, I can't even tell you because I'll spoil it for you. But so, so intense. Anthony Hopkins kills it. Kills it. Evan Rachel Wood kills it. Such an amazing show. And it will put your fucking mind into a pretzel. It will melt your face off. The level of twists and confusion is balanced out by action, excitement, and a level of production value that HBO is known for. Like, it is really something special. Now, here's what I recommend. My personal recommendation for Westworld viewing to get the full impact of Westworld. You can watch each episode and then consume some kind of content that explains it more deeply. A great YouTube channel that explains what's going on and does a little bit of prediction but really gives you a deeper level understanding of what's happening is called Alt-Shift-X. And I'll link that in the show notes. Alt-Shift-X breaks down TV shows, movies. He has a really keen understanding of story story structure. And I, that's my favorite. There's a, so many breakdowns out there, but his are really, really comprehensive. And when you, when you watch this with a, a solid understanding, I'm on my... Um, Second watch through of season two right now with Kelly. She knocked out season one pretty quick. And it goes by pretty fast. HBO shows go by pretty quick. Um, and, and you just see something new every time. But you look at it through a different lens when you have a better understanding of what's going on and what's at play here. And they explain things like the bicameral mind theory and what the music means. Everything, every fucking line has a purpose. And if you watch it through that lens... It is incredibly powerful. Such a great show. HBO did a, an awesome job. I hope the show, and I'm nervous because I don't like to, I mean, Archer's different because Archer's a really fun show, but I don't like to really endure shows unless I've seen the ending, right? HBO, HBO had um, Game of Thrones. I've read the books twice, the ones that are available, still waiting on that next book to come out. Come on, George R. Martin, let's go. Get it out there. But the ending, the last two seasons were absolute fucking hot garbage. And I get it. They ran out of source material, whatever. I don't want to recommend that show because it will, I just recommend you read the fucking books. <laughs> They're better. Um, but this show where it's at and the way it's the direction it's headed now in season three, I've had, it's, I've had a few critiques, a little criticism, but I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because they've set up a really cool framework. But season one, season two, Mind-melting, incredible TV, super captivating. Make sure, and if you want to check out a, a comedy podcast about Westworld, jump on to my friend Ross Bolin and Jared Borslow's podcast, Freeze All Motor Functions. Now, I've been a guest in that podcast before. We talk some theories. We talk some philosophy. We tackle some big stuff. So check out Freeze All Motor Functions 
on uh, anywhere podcasts are found. Excellent, excellent, really fun show. Those guys are both goofy as fuck. Um, But highly cannot recommend Westworld enough. So if you think that I missed anything, any shows that you're like, what the fuck? Where was um, Breaking Bad? Well, guess what? I didn't watch Breaking Bad. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm not sorry. Okay, I didn't watch Breaking Bad. I haven't seen Ozark. I'm telling you about the stuff that I've seen that I've connected with here. And don't hit me up and say, you should watch Breaking Bad. I'm not watching Breaking Bad. I don't want to. don't want to buy the hype. I'm sorry. I know it's a great show. I hear good things. Probably just not for me. I don't know why. Maybe it's just too many seasons. I don't know. But um, if you have missed anything, aside from Breaking Bad, I know, um, hit me up. Shoot me a DM, at Connor Wanders. Some new things will be coming to the show soon, such as live phone calls with you. Live phone calls with you. That's right. We'll set up a time. We'll get you on the show. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Bring in the heat. Tell me some stories. What I really want you to do is, and I'm working on a way to do this where you can send videos into the show some way easy. Maybe uh, I'm trying to figure out how to do it on Instagram where it makes it real simple. But I want to hear your stories about quarantine. I want you to, if anything crazy has happened during quarantine for you, uh, you and your partner dating, something set on fire, your pets are doing something, whatever kind of weird fucking crazy story or maybe just success story of quarantine that you have, I want you to DM that to me on Instagram, at Connor Wanders on Instagram, and uh, let me know. Maybe I'll read, if, it's, if it's worth reading on the show, I'll read it on the show. Um, and yeah, I'd love to hear from you. We're getting some more stuff as the show develops. Loving it so far. Thank you all for hanging out. If you have any requests for what you want me to cover on the show as well, you can DM those to me on Instagram, at Connor Wanders one more time. And um, damn, that's another one. Make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share the show if you fucking love it because you know I love you. We'll see you all next time. Peace.